I'm Matt Bush with BPR News. I'm speaking with UNC Asheville Chancellor Dr. Nancy Cable. Thank you for coming in today. Good morning, Matt. So before we start, obviously you had a busy weekend with the Woods Complex. So tell us where that stands right now. The buildings have been reopened. You have been discussing with the Department of Insurance, and you're going to be talking with them a little later this morning, talking a little more in detail. So where does it stand with the buildings right now and the sorts of things the university has uh, put in place to ensure that it satisfied the Department of Insurance and allowed the buildings to reopen? Well, as I hope you know, Uh, the highest priority of the university day in and day out is and has been for a very long time the safety of our students and um, with uh, after our negotiations on Friday we reached an agreement with Commissioner Causey with the Department of Insurance Um, that agreement spells out really several things that will be done the first is a fire watch with four competent firefighters uh, housed within the complex as a ready force to help if there should be any hazard or fire. Uh, we also have uh, <clears throat> a fire truck from the Asheville Fire Department uh, on campus and close to adjacent to the residence halls. Um, the Asheville Fire Department has been terrific to work with in all of this, and we're very grateful for Scott Burnett's support and leadership in this process. Furthermore, in the coming days, and I hope in a period of time that will be uh, uh, weeks, not months, um, we intend to convene a small group of experts who can address some of the issues related to standpipe location and standpipe valve locations and things of technical importance that were agreed to in the agreement itself. So uh, students moved in on Friday evening, late in the evening. Uh, some, uh, I was able to go to campus and check on students both on Saturday and yesterday. Uh, a number of students had moved in, both um, returning upper class students and new transfer students. Will these firefighters in this fire truck, was this a permanent thing or is this just in the meantime while you've fixed the issues that I guess are still the outline? It's the, la- it's the latter, Matt. Um, this is simply an abundance of caution, as we say, uh, to make sure um, and, and to meet the demands of the Commissioner of Insurance. And you said weeks rather than months. Do you think that'll, that'll I, last? I'm not in a position to okay. tell you how long, Matt, but I'm, I'm hoping it's a month to six weeks at most. But that's out of my hands. That's going to be in the hands of the folks who really know the technical issues. Okay. And the, just, the sooner the better. Right. Just to clarify, it is the standpipes within the building that were sort of the... Uh, issue? Yes, and and also, um, though it's not required by code, um, there is a suggestion on the table that we've agreed to explore fully and to do, uh, if feasible, and that is um, the installation of sprinklers in the attics. The buildings have roofs that are both Uh, They're uneven, and so there are larger spaces in the attic and smaller spaces. None of it is occupiable. Um, But despite the fact that there are sprinklers in uh, bedrooms, uh, hallways, lounges, entrances, even sprinklers in bathrooms in the building throughout the apartments that are located there, uh, this has been a a topic raised by the Department of Insurance, and we'll be working with them to affect that change as needed and feasible. Okay, and now the conversation you were probably planning on Friday before all this happened. (laughs) And let's talk about you coming to the uh, University of North Carolina, Asheville. Um, What attracted you to this? You were the head of the, you know, you were head of the Arthur Vining Davis Foundation, which we in public media know very, very well. Um, So what about 
coming to UNC Asheville and Asheville itself really attracted you to come to this position? Well, a couple things in play. I had worked <clears throat> in North Carolina, I guess a total of 21 years before I went to Virginia and worked at the University of Virginia for a while and then actually worked at a college in Maine called Bates College before taking the foundation's position. But I have... Um, I have been interested in any possibility that would allow me to return to North Carolina. And when this I thought I'd be at the foundations for the rest of my, my career. But when this opportunity uh, was presented to me, um, I guess it was early January, um, I said at first, no, not interested, not sure. And then um, I had an opportunity to meet some of the search folks and so on. And I was drawn forward in this. So I am absolutely thrilled to be back in North Carolina. Uh, very, very honored and privileged, truly, to be the chancellor of the publicly designated liberal arts university of the UNC system. So for me, it's coming home. For me, it's a draw because of the liberal arts focus and mission. And frankly, it's because of the strength of the faculty, the athletic staff, the senior staff of the, of the university. I'm just delighted to be here. Where does liberal arts education fit in right now in our society? There's a great deal of public misunderstanding about what the liberal arts actually is. It's actually a concept um, that derives from um, early higher education in Europe. And it's based in the notion that um, there are many aspects to this, but one to highlight for you, Matt, is that we believe in the education of the intellect and the whole person. And in that sense, we believe that there's a kind of discipline of the mind that comes from learning how to write well, how to read critically, how to think critically and strategically, how to convey yourself as well as possible verbally, and how to create new ideas in addition to understanding the great ideas over time from all sorts of different people. And so um, I'm an advocate of the liberal arts and sciences education. I am thrilled that the UNC system has an institution that for many years has had that as its academic mission. And because of that, we are thrilled to have students coming here who, frankly, are exploring the life of the mind. They have a better set of questions than all the answers. That's what they learn how to do really well while they're here. And it's fine for them to be undecided about major because we believe that the UNC Asheville Educational process with our faculty working closely alongside students, doing undergraduate research, having internships, allows the students to do anything, not just something. I've talked about this with your predecessors. How does the university expand the background of its student body from an economic standpoint, from an ideological standpoint, and from an ethnic standpoint. Uh, there is this sort of reputation, and some of it is quite true, that liberal arts educations are for a certain group of people. How do you expand it to get into communities of color and to get into communities where, you know, that are economically disadvantaged? How do you get a, a more diverse student body mm -hmm. at the university? Well, first of all, I'm proud of the efforts that the university has made over the last I'm going to say roughly 15 to 20 years to expand the diversity of life experience, of racial and ethnic background, of religious background, of uh, locations. We have in-state and out-of-state students. And so a great deal of work has been done by Chancellor Ponder and Chancellor Grant over that period of time. 
Um, I think it's a myth in the public's mind that liberal arts colleges are only small and elite and rich for rich students or well-funded students. In fact, private liberal arts colleges have been leaders in the nation, not just in diversifying their student bodies, but providing the kind of need-based and merit-based aid that allows students to come to those institutions and, frankly, graduate. So those institutions that have strong liberal arts programs, public and private, uh, do some of the best work in in admitting a diverse class and persisting them to graduation in a reasonable period of time. I like to say four years. Some of the measures are over five years. Um, Now, is there more work to be done? Absolutely. We want to deepen our relationship with our rural student populations around uh, Buncombe County and around the surrounding counties. We'd like to be the place where students come from backgrounds of of rural locations and find real success at the University of North Carolina Asheville. We have lots of plans to do that. Many are already underway, but it's one of our priorities, and it's a priority across the system. Talk a bit about just campus life and how that is an important thing and how you want to continue to build that at a university like this just because it's Asheville. Asheville has a national brand. The city itself and the university is very much, you know, (laughs) tied to the Asheville brand. So talk about that and making the campus experience uh, for students and not just students, for anyone who might be there um, as high as it can be. Matt, I hope you'll ask me that uh, when we have a subsequent interview. (laughs) Uh, Twelve days in on site, I can give you some insight. Obviously, I spent six months uh, studying this opportunity uh, before I accepted uh, the invitation to, to serve as chancellor. But here's what I know. We have a tremendously strong athletic program. Our athletes happen to be in the way in the top half of the of the academic uh, population of students. Um, I just yesterday talked with the students who had just come from the outdoor education programs that we did in small groups. I think the student talking to me said she and nine other students had had a wilderness experience for several several days and not just bonded uh, personally with these new students, welcoming them to Asheville, but they did a lot of environmental work while they were on the trail, while they were out there. So they're taking advantage of the beauty and the opportunities of Asheville. Um, So we have students who take seriously using their co-curricular time to advance what their their initial career thoughts might be. So our mass comm students are doing a terrific job with our, our student communications. I met two students this weekend who are majors in animation. They're being taught by someone who worked for Pixar. This is real expertise on our, on our faculty. So students find that there's kind of an openness between their in-class work and their out-of-class work. What I've been so impressed by shaking the hands of literally hundreds of students this past weekend. There's a vitality about the place. There's a sense of community that's based in respect, however different you might be from one another or as you're talking and working with someone else. And there is a sense of curiosity about um, making a difference. These students want to make a difference, some in political life, some in environmental studies. 
some just simply in in allowing better teachers in in uh, schools throughout North Carolina. There's a sense of moving forward on the campus, not just because it's the opening of the year. I think this is endemic uh, to the student population. I still have a lot to learn, but I'll have some more examples to give you next time we talk. You come from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundation, so uh, fundraising and funding things is quite in your background. So if you look at it, is that something the university needs to focus on? Obviously, fundraising is also always a very big deal. Um, but right now, generally, the economy is well. And uh, when Margaret Spellings was in Asheville earlier this year, she was very happy to see that in such a hyper-partisan political environment, the state university system was still being funded to the level she was she was seeking and was very happy that the partisan politics of North Carolina had not fallen into the state university system. So looking at it, you've only been here 12 days, but looking at it that way, um, you know, what, what sorts of things do you see that the where the university can go should it have the money to be able to do it? Well, all colleges and universities are dependent on a variety of sources of funds. Uh, here, of course, taxpayer dollars support us, and we are very respectful of the kind of sacrifice that our citizens across the state of North Carolina make so that we can provide this type of institution uh, education across the, the UNC system and how special and unique we are in that. Um, but All colleges and universities are by nature dependent on private philanthropy from foundations, from corporations, from individuals. And so um, it's my understanding from our current board of trustees, and this has been talked about for a while, that fundraising needs to continue to be a very high priority in our work, certainly for me, but also for other leaders and, frankly, student leaders across the institution. So we'll we'll be doing a lot of planning, again, building on the current strengths of the university as to what we might look like 10 or 15 or even 20 years from now. Corollary to that, Matt, we have a campus master planning process that's going on, taking a look at our footprint, our our buildings, our wayfinding, our signage, the use of the buildings. Are there ways to maximize the repurposing because we're not just going to keep build, building more, more and more buildings. The notion is how to optimize space that supports the academic program and the co-curricular program. I think fundraising is here to stay for us, and we're happy to do it. This semester, what sorts of things should people be knowing about UNC Asheville this semester? Um, we'll watch for our terrific athletic teams to keep thriving. We have a new golf coach, a really terrific person uh, who's got a, a wealth of experience in coaching as well as excellence in golf. We have a new basketball coach from the men's basketball team. Um, strikes me as really a very, very competent and special leader to have in our mix, so I'm thrilled about that. I want you to keep watching for issues related to the environment on our campus, uh, continuing to strengthen our outing work, our outdoor education work, our student trips that take advantage. Watch for our community engagement where our students are still volunteering in a number of the particularly middle schools in the greater Asheville community led by Darren Waters, our director of community engagement and senior faculty member on the campus, just having received tenure in the history department. Um, I think you should also watch for what emerges from our board as far as the UNC strategic plan and our more local UNC Asheville strategic plan. And I'll have some better grasp on that here within the next couple months. But that's going to deal with this rural student enrollment. It's going to deal with sustainability. It's going to deal with issues of innovation on our campus. Not sure what that means yet. 
Um, but I think you're going to see some sprouts around all of those different things on the campus. To people who may think the culture of a campus is different than the culture of a surrounding area, and I think there's a lot of partisan political discussion about that mm -hmm. from both sides, quite mm -hmm. frankly. Mm -hmm. How do you, what would you say to someone who says, to, who believes that? And on the other side, how do you make sure that this sort of hyper-partisan political environment does not begin to infect the university itself, too? Because the university is supposed to be a little separate in that way of where people can express all their viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Let me do my level best to answer this very complex sure. and many-vectored question that you've mm -hmm. asked me. Um, we have we have a responsibility that's seemingly um, in conflict with itself. We have a responsibility to make sure our campuses have um, have access to real world discussions and participate in them in our own way, whether it's in the classroom around political matters or it's about leadership and who and how are great are are great leaders and what are great leadership qualities. We need to resonate with the world if we are to be. Uh, doing our real work, which is to prepare students for entering the world at any time. So though we have 3,900 students approximately, haven't gotten a final number yet, 3,900 students and about half of those students live on campus and half live off in our greater Asheville community, the students themselves are talking about what they're seeing. So we're not a cocoon. We don't intend to protect students from the real matters of life. That's part of their education. That said, there are also things we need to do to allow the classroom to be a place where students can ask their questions and get answers, not just from the faculty, but from their peers. So we, we need to be, again, porous and I think very resonant with what's going on in the greater political divides or the greater political issues or the global matters that hunger, climate change, um, the, the interaction of world religions with one another and so on. It's very important that we represent that as real and what the students will inherit as soon as they graduate. And they'll go on into graduate school positions or leadership positions or starting jobs where they need to be facile in the way that they understand the world and the way they can work with others, at wherever, whether in investment banking or they're working in a nonprofit or public radio and public television. Uh, so we've got a seemingly incoherent responsibility to be both open and uh, a place where students can be nurtured, where they can try, risk, and fail, and still get up and, and move on. Uh, so we've got that as our essential educational mission or one aspect of it. And our faculty, I've already heard examples of this, our faculty are tremendous at guiding students in that way and especially bringing them toward greater intellectual maturity through undergraduate research, through internships, through conference attendance, and through getting students actually up and out of the campus and involved. My last question sort of ties back to a little bit of what we discussed earlier, but this is a state university, a state university with a focus on liberal arts. We were discussing earlier about expanding student body diversity, but you said, you know, private liberal arts universities have been very successful in that. It's just to underscore the significance of the fact that there is a public liberal arts university in North Carolina, might not be the case in many states, uh, that there is one. So talk about the significance of that, that there is a public university that focuses on the liberal arts. It's not a private university that can be quite expensive and quite uh, inaccessible for the public. 
we are among the lucky states that, ha- and there are others that have designated private or public liberal arts uh, academic mission available. Let's look at it from this, the the best interest of the state and the students, the prospective students, and, and even parents within the state. Students have all different approaches. Some are very directed. By the time they're in high school, I'm going to be a pre med student. I'm going to be an engineer, and they go directly in and they take a lockstep. Uh, with some amendment, some lockstep focus on that one thing. Some students learn best to discover themselves when they are allowed to think very freely and roam across a wide variety of academically uh, robust classes until they discover their talents, their, their leanings, their sense of values. And so to have us, UNC Asheville, as one of the options – for students in the state and also for students from the surrounding, well, we have I think we have 13 countries represented in the student body right now in a number of states other than North Carolina. But for us to be able to serve the citizens of, of North Carolina with this as an option is to provide yet again another good example of the perfect fit for some students' learning style and what they need at that point in their lives, both traditional age students and adult students. So we provide a tremendous service. I know I'm biased here. We provide a tremendous service to the state at large. We're a place that has a strong honors program. We were the founder of undergraduate research in public liberal arts. We are a place that believes in leadership. So students who want to become leaders, students who have strong appeal to go on to graduate school, this is one of the best places they can go in the state of North Carolina. We're, we're very lucky to have a good range of academic options and academic missions, but we stand as kind of one of one in this in service to the citizens of the state. The proverbial, anything else you would like to add or anything else you want to uh, talk about that we haven't got to today? Just I'm so glad to be here, um, deeply honored um, by this privilege. Um, not every day is easy, and I, I'm very aware of that. But I also believe so deeply that we are in the business of human potential, Uh, And not just finding students' jobs, but still making sure that there is um, the life of the mind is important on our campus uh, because our faculty are so strong and our students are so strong. So I'm pleased to be here. I'm thrilled that there's public radio and television here in um, Asheville, having uh, worked with public television and, and broadcast media for a long time, both on the producing side as a funder, but also on the board of Maine Public Television and Public Radio and so on. It's just really fun to meet you, and I'm so glad to be here in in Asheville. Thanks. Well, Dr. Nancy Cable, thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Matt.